Here's your host, Steve Yusko. Hey, in today's episode, you're going to get to meet Mark Reckler from Circus Mine. You're going to hear about his connections to NOLA, New Orleans music, and the great Dr. John. Stay tuned. Let's get to it. Thanks for joining us for the Long Island Sound Podcast. Each week, we explore new music and dive deeper with the artists and their stories behind the music. Please subscribe and rate and review us wherever you stream this podcast. Here's your host, Steve Yusko. Hey, I'm really excited about my guest today. I saw him at the Great South Bay Music Festival. I was referred to him by a friend, and I didn't know what to expect about the band called Circus Mind. But let me tell you, I walked away as if I just came from a party, and I want to welcome Mark Reckler, the ringleader, and uh, the ringleader. There's no other way to say it. The ringleader of Circus Mind. Mark, welcome to the Long Island Sound Podcast. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. But what's what's interesting with, with your music and seeing you at the Great South Bay Music Festival, I got to experience you live off the bat, and that's what I promote most of all. I mean, I can listen to MP3s and get a, a gist of what you do, but until you see an artist live, man, you just don't get the whole the whole shebang. So uh, right on, I appreciate that. Yeah, we we you know circus mind. We tried to live up to the name, live up to the name, and be a bit of a party. And uh, I feel like our recordings do a lot of that as well. I couldn't help but smile. I can only speak for myself. And then I'm looking at at the audience. You know, I'm kind of uh, they getting the vibe, and they're getting the vibe, man. You must have a good following because they were they were right with you the whole the whole time. Yeah, for so. sure. I felt that uh, the last couple of gathering vibes, we really we had the audience, and they love us over there. They've invited us back. I assume we'll and hope we'll be back again this year. But we've those shows have been really successful. Hey, let's reel back the pages a little bit. Tell me about you know, do you come from a musical family? How'd you get into music? Uh, I didn't particularly come from a musical family, though. My brother is a musician as well. He lives in L.A. Um, he's a songwriter and uh, a great, you know, cool musician. Um, uh, Glenn Max goes by, Max Vanderwolf. And uh, so that's it. My parents, not that much. My mom played some classical piano. Uh, my older brothers were very into music. They hand-fed me a lot of stuff, you know, starting right. with the Beatles and going on from there. And I don't know what happened. I was taking classical piano as a little kid. And I think it was fifth or sixth grade where my friend and neighbor, my best friend, came over and started playing some Elton John and Beatles. And I was like, Mom, like, I want to be doing that. <laughs> and once I got his teacher, you know, everything really changed for me. I was able to play what I wanted to play. And uh, the music world opened up for me. Now, spent a lot of time playing. Yeah, it's it's amazing how like yeah, I have old older siblings, you know, and I have twin sisters. One loved the Beach Boys, one loved the Beatles, so I got the best of you know both worlds out of it. But I struggled with piano lessons early on, which is like I didn't want to play Itsy Bitsy Spider, you know? <laughs> <laughs> and that that was my that was my demise. You yeah, know, going, same here. Going, I mean, I, it took me long. I was mumbling and grumbling about you know I never wanted to practice and. I didn't look on it fondly until I was able to play when I wanted to play. You know, in, in listening to your music, too, it reminded me, I was in my 20s, and I had never heard of Little Feet. And once I heard Little Feet, and that, that that's reminded me of your music, the NOLA aspect of things. And, and Definitely. Uh, you know, the, the influences that brought in. Before we go down that road, though, I'm really interested. Tell me a little bit about your band, how Circus Mind came together, and I'm really impressed by how you curated these artists together. It looks mm. you've got you've got a tight band. Thank you. Uh, Circus Mind has been a band for 20 years. This is our 20th oh. year. Um, at this point juncture, only two of us are original members out of the six. Uh, I would say this is about the third sort of um, version of the band. Um, okay. And it started uh, when I met uh, an amazing drummer, George Hooks, who was um, from Tennessee. He had just, he, he has the best story. At 17, he got a job at the Ringing Brothers Circus and left high school, jumped on the circus playing drums and traveled wow. all of it. He was in the, he was doing like Asia and Japan. He was the Ringing Brothers Europe. And he was just, that was the life he lived until he, 
knocked up his future wife, who was an elephant rider girl, and, uh, Come on, and, they, really? had, and they had a baby. And on the circus, and I think when the baby was about three, they were like, she was like, it's time to, you know, get off the circus. So she happened to be from Long Island. And he got here, and she, uh, she was um, a Pilates instructor, and my wife was too. And they made friends, and they were like, she was like, oh, my husband's looking for people to jam with. He's from Tennessee. And boom, right. uh, I was kind of looking to put a band together, and he, the guy was incredible. And he's, we're still friends. Um, he still plays with circuses around the country. But the name circus, really? Yes, the name Circus Mind came from that. And uh, Stanton Moore, you know Stanton Moore, the drummer Galactic, you familiar with him? Oh, he, he sure, wants, yeah. He wants to tell me that George Hooks was his favorite drummer. So uh, there you go. That's how good a player he was. So, uh, so um, George was with us through the first record, but that was the first version of the band, let's say. And we, we, how many records are we up to? I guess we have four albums, and we're working on a fifth right now. Great, great. Yeah. I, I tell, just hearing that story, it's like every kid from the 50s, you know, I'm going to leave home and run away and join the circus. I think my parents wish I did. But, right. Uh, I mean, it was <laughs> such a cool story. And he's such a cool guy. And he, of course, with the circus, and so many stories. He's, you know, filled with, I always tell him, I'm like, you got to write a book, man. I'm like, you got the best <laughs> stories ever. Yeah, it's a, it's a different it's a different world. And that's, you know, that's what I love about. I'm a big proponent of original music, you know, and the wellspring of talent in Long Island is just, it never ceases to amaze me. When I started this podcast, you know, I worried, you know, was I going to get enough guests? And the well is, is the well is very deep yeah. and very diverse. I believe it is deep. Long Island has some great uh, songwriters and, and bands, but it's hard for us original guys, you know, we got to compete against all the cover bands and the dead cover bands and the the tribute bands and you know Long Island tends to gear that lean that way but we you know but we just have to we got to stay at it as we do and you know Circus Model mixes up a live show we depending on the venue we'll we'll mix it up one and one or you know do some of each and that kind of balances it out yeah and you know what it comes down to it really comes down to those venues uh like uh, still partners and katie's of smithtown and uh, yeah and you name it that really kind of give people the stage to play on yes. you know and and i'm not I, I one i honor anybody who picks up an instrument and and uh and goes to the woodshed and, and does what they do but you know it's different it's different when you're you're your original artist and every original artist is going to play some sort of covers um you know but i think you take us to a different place and and that's what happened to me i'm, I'm in my early 60s and i got to a point where like yeah i reminisce about the 70s i'm a big neil young fan little feet as i mentioned yeah what have you but i didn't want to get stuck in, in that bubble you know yeah 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 and, i'm definitely like you know I, that 70s I think that's probably the biggest influence of decade on my band you know i can't help it not everything is i listen to a ton of new music and alternative music and all kinds of music constantly and i i feed on it i love new music and i love old music but the 70s is in my dna you know what i mean i mean bands like steely dan and little feed and super tramp and the dead and the almonds and uh, on, and all the funk stuff and TV sitcom music from the seventies, I like. I love that stuff. You know, you know Jeff Jefferson's Good Times, all those theme songs. I was a little kid. I was just like that music was so good. It's 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 great. It's great. All those different influences. So when you started out as a band, did you do the normal route by going out and, and playing live a lot, or did you do more studio work, or how did it hash out for you guys? Um, I think we started out um, as a live band. I think we probably took us the first five years to gel and get a repertoire of you know good music and get our vibe together uh right it was hard you know played a lot of empty clubs and empty rooms and like play, and then there were times we, when we finally got so good you know we were so good and you know you're playing to 15 people but you know you you keep that going and you build it and you build fan base slowly and surely and spread your circle of you know where you're doing gigs long island to you know connecticut new jersey new york city and you know and that's you build it that way yeah, you know it was interesting. At least when I when I got out of high school, I, it, there was a plethora of, of you know every bar had live music. 
you know. Then disco came in and it kind of killed it for, yeah. for a lot of right. a lot of people. The DJ, the DJ and, killed a lot for us. <laughs> DJ killed the original music guy, right? And now it seems to, you know, it's coming back that, mm. uh, you know, that are people starting to recognize it. And the festivals help a lot. I mean, I give a lot of kudos to James Faith and, uh, you know, doing what he does. At Absolutely. Yeah. Jim Faith is great with that. He really is showcases, you know, local acts, which is really good, you know, and it, that really helps, you know, spread the word that, you know, a circus mind could go play, you know, somewhere out in Suffolk County versus just being stuck here where we are in Nassau County, you know, so it's good for right. all the bands. Before I, I'm remiss, let's talk about the other people in your lineup currently. Uh, so you got Brian Duggan. Yeah. Yeah. Duggan? Yeah. Brian, okay. uh, Brian's probably the newest member of the band. He's fantastic. We're, I have to say, I'm so jazzed up about this current lineup of the band. It's sounding so tight and groovy. And, uh, so we got Brian Duggan and we have um, Matt Fox, who's incredible. Matt and I were in uh, Brandon Tasnita Hours band together. Oh, okay. Yeah, I did about three years in the Taz band, throwing around and playing lots of festivals, which is great. We're still close with Taz. We're actually opening for him at Landmark on Main on February 17th. So, oh, great, uh, great. so that'll be fun. And um, who else we got in the minute? We got Dan Roth, who uh, is actually the owner of Still Partners. He's an unbelievable drummer. He plays with Dave Diamond. He plays in the Almost Brothers. He plays with a lot of guys. Okay. He's a busy cat. Um, Michael Amadoa on saxophone. He is a brilliant guy. He's played with Tony Trishka. I don't know if you remember that artist. He was kind of a bluegrass jazz artist. Um, okay. And then uh, Steve Finkelstein, who's an original uh, Circus Line member who plays with the Funk Philharmonic. He's genius on anything you could tap or shake or slap. <laughs> <laughs> right. And then and then you have um, Dylan, right? Is Dylan still in the group? <laughs> Dylan uh, went back to law, went to law school. So he has... Oh, uh, crap. He has left What's he doing that for? Building. Yeah, he was great, Dylan. Uh, but Matty Fox, so... They're, they're actually similar styles, and I'm sure we'll be playing with Dylan again in the future, but he got a little too busy right now. He wanted to focus on school. So uh, that changed right after Great South Bay. So when I was at Great South Bay, uh, I, th- I think it was Russell, somebody standing next to me. I'm watching your group, and he's like, psst, psst. He goes, Taz, he's right behind you. you know. And I remember Taz is a little kid. You know, yeah. up and he's, like, he's like, you know, six foot yeah. whatever, you know? And uh, I'd love to get him on the show. He's he's just a prodigy. Just yeah, kind of he's a, unbelievable and uh, super smart and a great songwriter. And uh, he's he's still ripping it up. He's doing great. And now he's doing that. He's doing the all. Uh, what are they called? The uh, that other Almonds project. They're, they're doing fantastic. They're playing the Beacon. They're touring around. Um, nice, great. Beacon's a great, a great, uh, a great theater. Nuns too. I once uh, I had a gig. I was playing with Jason Crosby, you know, the keyboard player. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Jason's a friend of mine, and his brother Chris used to be our bass player, but he sadly he passed away uh, during COVID. Oh, I'm sorry. Um. So uh, I was playing gig with Jason and Chris, but I just pulled into the club. It was in New Orleans. It was during Jazz Fest, and I was, had my gear. And he was like, hey, Mark, he was like, why don't you meet my friend Phil? And I look up and I'm face to face with Phil West from the Grateful Dead. And I'm literally, oh, I, I'm like this, I, 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 and Phil air slaps me. He goes, <laughs> and uh, we cracked up <laughs> laughing. And that was my uh, interaction with Phil West. Oh, that's great. Hey, listen, while, while we're talking about uh, Brandon, uh, one of the first songs that you brought to the table for me is Are You Ready? Tell me a little bit about that, and then I want the audience to have a listen so they can get a grasp of what... When I was in the Taz band. Um, we had a, a great little unit together there for a while, and um, Elise Testone, the singer, I don't know if you know her, she's fabulous. She was in the band at the time. I kind of wrote the song for the band. I had them in my head. I imagined her singing it. And uh, and I offered it to the band, but Brandon was writing so many songs at the time. They, you know, and I I did a rough mix of it. They were like, eh, they weren't sure. So then, and I was like, no worries. And I, so I recorded with Circus Mine, and I had Taz play on it. And they were like, oh yeah, I'm <laughs> here. This is a good song. So um, 
Yeah, I, I wrote it. I totally wrote it with the Taz band in mind. I kind of wrote it for that. You know, it's funny. When I write songs, I usually have someone else in mind. You know, someone in my head. Like sometimes I hear Warren Hand singing or Tadashi Trucks. I'm like, man, this would be a great song. I hear I hear another artist singing, and it's typically it's funny. You know, that's actually that's pretty generous because it's amazing how many artists like don't share that. You know, and I I think it's I think it's great that you know that you do that let's do that let's listen to are you ready and we'll come right back uh after the song after the break stick with us everybody Everyone, we're back. I promised you 
that when I saw Circus Mine, you were going to be uh, listening to a party and that song <laughs> brings you right into the middle of it. So um, anyway, I, I, I want to get into your songwriting, developing the muse aspect of things, because, hey, you've been doing this for 20 years, so I think you learned a few things. How do you how do you approach developing the muse? Are you very purposeful and, hey, I'm going to write a song right now or how do you approach it, and are you? Um, I, it's all, it's always different, but uh, I was once at a at a South by Southwest, and the the keynote speaker was Neil Young. I was lucky to hear him speak. He was great, and he said something that once struck me. That uh-huh. was, if uh, you hear me, yeah, I can no. hear you fine. Okay, great. So Neil Neil said, if the muse hits you. You must stick with it. Like you can't be like, ah, I'll finish that later. I'm going out to dinner. Like. It, it's like all bets are off like you have to and so i i neil that really stayed with me so i try it's not always possible you know sometimes you have commitments i gotta get back to but he's it's true it's like if you if it's your wheels are oiled and things are in motion like you got to go with the flow and so um that's often worked for me and uh so if uh some magic hits i get some cool little lick i start to play and then some chords I'm like I'm gonna I'm gonna stop singing something. It sounds like I'm I'm vocalizing something. It, it's happened, you know. And about an hour later, I'm like, uh, man, I don't know how I did it. I just wrote a song. And sometimes I get some chords, and it, it's dead in the water. And, I, and I've been having those chords for months on end or years. Sometimes uh, I'll tell you a funny story. It was during the pandemic. When the pandemic hit, I was like, it's time to finish these songs. And record. I'm like, okay. there's nothing else to do. This is a god. This is a given gift of time, and I'm yep. gonna take advantage of it. So I say to my wife, I'm like, I'm I'm going upstairs to my studio, and I'm not coming down till like I finish, you know, like five songs. And she was probably happy to get rid of you if she's yeah, like my yeah. wife. She was like, you know, good luck, whatever. Have fun. Uh, I get, Thirty minutes later, I walked down, and she was like, you know, what's going on? I was like, I did it. She's like, what? You did what? I was like, I don't know what happened. But I, uh, I it, ha- it happened. I looked. I had you know somewhere half written some, whatever it was. Within like an hour, I like finished three of the songs. A half hour later, I had like two. I like completed like all the stuff that was like, I, it was like gift. I don't know how it works, but it was like gifted to me. So there I was. The songs were done in like two nights, and then um, I called the band and I was like, you know, we, we have to do this. I don't care if we do it remotely. However, we're doing this. We we rehearsed outside. We had some good weather there. We got together. We uh, we got the studio. We wore masks. Whatever we did, but that, our last record actually it wasn't our last. We did one after that. Joy Machine was all done during the pandemic and uh it's really one of my favorite albums i recommend it if you're out there everyone to check it out yeah well Uh, we're definitely just so just so people know look in the description you're gonna have all the links to circus mind and their music and spotify wherever wherever it is uh and the website as well so uh, just take a look down below and we'll have it there for you it's interesting you mentioned that because i i just read uh i think i got right here rick rubin's book I've been reading that as well, actually. I'm just about oh, done with that. Yeah. I, I finished it. The, the, the creative the creative act, a way of being. It's amazing, isn't it? It's a great it, book. It's what, what I found fascinating. One, it's an easy read, and they're yeah. very short chapters. And I'm going through this, and I'm like, you know what? The line between uh, a songwriter and everybody else, in my opinion, because I know I'm, I'm on the other side of it, is you get in that practice of developing the muse when it when it strikes you you know i i have things on my iphone and you know i probably just don't fancy or picture myself as a creative but i probably Uh am and i a lot of kudos to you guys who put it put it together out there and then entertain us and my my theory is this what what i love and i can only speak as an audience member you guys get to articulate the things that i feel and when right. I make when I make that connection with you, vice versa, and I feel like you know you're singing to me, man, I'm 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 in heaven that at that moment, and that's that's right on. not yeah, not I everybody appreciate can, that. Not everybody. Yeah, like, my, my thing is like you know like he says a lot in the book is you have to be open to whenever that thing strikes and wherever it comes from, and um and then like once I do, I feel like I have a uh, I feel like it's like a little baby thing i have to nurture and i have to bring it to some sort of 
I gotta ultimately get it like recorded. It's a weird thing I have. I'm like an irresponsible parent if I like don't take care of it and get it recorded. Once it's recorded, it's like it's graduated college. It's on its own. It can go yeah, its own way. I, yeah, my work it, is done. I have to move on. Yeah, you gotta incubate it to a, to a certain degree. Yeah, you gotta degree. incubate it. You're playing it with the band. You're playing it out a little bit, seeing what kind of reaction. You adjust it. But I, I have, and the problem, it's not a problem, it is, but it is a problem, is I write a lot. Uh, so I have, like, currently I have, you know, uh, on board deck of 20-something songs. So I'm, like, constantly, you know, throwing them at the band and, like, playing with them. And it's a lot. It's a lot of different pieces to be working on at the same time. And recording is expensive. And time is limited right so it's tr it's a tricky game and then so every time i start a new piece i'm like oh my god i'm like i, I have too many on the plate right now <laughs> right so we got to finish some of these entrees so we can we can bring exactly. it out to the to the table so to speak yeah it's 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 amazing hey, let me ask you this so you've been doing it for 20 years i'm a new i'm a new pretend i'm a new singer songwriter and i'm saying mark what, what advice would you have uh, you know, I think I'm doing all the right things. I'm going out there, I'm playing, I'm writing songs, I'm collaborating with people, I've got good people around me. What's the secret sauce? What What would you, if, if you were open to it, what kind of advice would you give someone? I mean, I don't know if I have the secret sauce. Uh, sometimes my secret sauce is, you know, uh, make sure you have a good day job because, you know, it, it's a tough world out there. Um, but keep, but always keep at it. I mean, it's. I think it's what brings us joy and what... Um, it's what keeps us alive and it's like so important it, you know it's what you know it's my it's the life source that us musicians and songwriters feed on so uh I, I don't know i don't really i don't know if i have a magic thing other than to like keep at it and you know never give it up i don't know what makes one thing gain popularity and another thing doesn't you know the music business is a weird place yeah it's true especially you know, these days one of the things that I think about, and, and uh, I, I, I fall onto my daughter a lot because she's very talented, she's very creative in a lot of different ways, and when you're surrounded with people like that who listen to you with a, a, a great ear and appreciate what you do, man, that just, just I don't know, it just kind of makes you want to keep writing keep and keep producing. You know, I think you need sometimes people to hit the top of the wheel to keep it spinning for you. At least I, yeah. I find that that person. Yeah. So you have to have understanding partners and people around you to. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I have a great partner. She's so supportive. She's always at my shows and she's, she's great. Jackie, if you're watching this, I love you. Thank you. For well, I, I hope, well, I hope she's watching it. <laughs> hey, you should have said this. That's what you'll get. <laughs> So, um, so what do you what do you got coming up? Uh, I know uh, you're going to be playing Still Partners. I think yeah, this yeah, weekend. I, I do a great party. Everyone, you should all come out to this. It's called the Fat Friday Party. And oh, okay. It's on Saturday, March 9th, the Fat Friday Party, and it is a, a costume ball, like a New Orleans style, you know, oh, really? party drop ball. And it's in an amazing, amazing room location called the Angel Orange Sand Center, which is looks like a haunted church in the Lower East Side. Um, so, so is this my is this my in, is this my invite? This is your invite, absolutely. And uh, it's uh, a three band show. We're the main band. Um, okay. All the bands are great. Uh, Heidi, High and Mighty Brass Band is uh, the other band. I can't remember who they have opening this year, but there's great food and it's a great scene and everyone's kind of dressed up funky and uh, it's a good one. So we're excited yeah. for that. This will be our sixth or seventh time we're playing it. Uh, nice. Special guests tend to appear. We've had uh, Cyril Neville in past years. We've had Taz. We've had Charles Neville, may he rest in peace. And no, so wow. uh, we'll see what happens this year. So sick, man. I promised a party. We already, already got a party on the list. I love it. <laughs> yeah. um, and what else is going on on my list? Uh, we have a post bar on a 427. I'm probably playing uh, Jazz Fest, I hope. Um, we usually do uh, a night gig or two. Sorry. Yeah. Well, you know, it's, it's a, a time, you know, time management, you know, between, you know, what we do during the day and everything else. It's always. Absolutely. Uh, that's yeah. that's that's the biggest challenge, you know. And I have my yeah, wife yeah, that'll yeah. go to me. She goes, "Hey, uh, don't don't forget about the day job, you know." <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And I, but, my day job is fairly creative. I'm an architect, you know, developer. So I guess. Yeah, I think I've heard uh, I've heard of the name somewhere. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
Sorry, busting your balls a little yeah, bit. That's all right. That's all right. <laughs> hey, um, let's talk. Let's talk about the next song that you got. Um, do you want to do uh, Jazz Fest or Spy Box? Which Which Spy would you boy, choose? Spy Boy. Spy Boy. Uh, man, uh, there's so okay. Let's go with Jazz Fest. We're talking about Jazz Fest and a um, uh, quick Jazz Fest story was uh, um, Dr. John's a big influence for me, and so uh, a friend of mine called me the year he was getting into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Okay, she said. Uh, Dr. John wants to do a benefit tomorrow night, the day after he gets in the Hall of Fame. He's like, would you want to do it at your house? I'll play your piano. You charge $100 to 100 people. And I was like, well, can I just offer it to my friends instead of having strangers in my house? She's like, absolutely. I'm like, let's do it. I email my friends, call them. I'm like, guess what? I'm like, you know, a couple of days, Dr. John's playing my house. His benefit for, you know, he's doing. It was for Native Americans to get them together. And have them do a mass prayer for the earth. It was uh, oh, cool, so cool. So nice. uh, he, he shows up in a limo, and I'm like, "Here we go!" And he gets out, and he's like shaking, and does not look good. Okay, he's my hero. I walk up to him, and he was like, "He's like, hey man, I just need a minute here. I'm gonna smoke this cigar." <laughs> so he's just okay. not talking to me yet. I gotta get my shit together. And I didn't know if he, like, you know, he had a big night and. He was, maybe he was sick, or maybe you know it was a little bit of a drug addiction thing. I wasn't sure, but he was having a hard time, and I was like, "This might, this might go bad. Maybe this wasn't a good idea." And uh, so um, we warm him up, we bring him inside, we give him some New Orleans food. We had some good food cooking that night. I gave him his own room. He looked in my house. He started looking at us like, mm. "He says I got a house in Long Island, but it's dilapidated." <laughs> so uh, he comes in. He starts to feel good. I, he's, he likes the scene. He finally hits the piano and he destroys it. He plays my piano. Wow. Everyone's packed into my living room. It's one of my favorite nights in my life. So uh, um, it's just good. And we I sang a song with him. You know, we had a couple of mics up. It was it was a pretty amazing night. So uh, with, with that said, we could jump into Jazz Fest time, my favorite festival. We'll just see Dr. John there all the time. I'm going to head in. This is not this year, but next year will be my 40th Jazz Fest. So, uh, wow. That's great. Well, I, def- I definitely have to connect you with Diane Lotney because I'm sure you can trade a, a lot of great stories uh, for that sure. That would be great. All right. So introduce, introduce the song. We'll, we'll take a break and jump right into it. All right, all right. So this next song I'm going to listen to is called Jazz Fest Time, about the best festival in the country. Everyone should get out and check it out. Best food, best music, best vibe. All right. Check check it out, everybody. We'll be right back after the song.
Hey, we're back uh, after hearing that song. I There was a pretty famous guy on that song. You want me to tell me about it? Yeah, yeah. So um, this was on that uh, album, Joy Machine, I was telling you about, we recorded during the pandemic. And it turned out that was an amazing time to record an album because uh, a lot of musicians needed work. You know, a lot of guys weren't working. So... I reached out to uh, a friend of mine, Ivan Neville, who uh, I played with a couple of times and have a relationship with. And I was like, hey, Ivan, you know, any chance you play on one of my tracks? And he was totally down. And I did the same with uh, Big Sam, who's a trombone player from down there, who blew, blew that great solo we just heard. And uh, so that was great having him on that song. But also, I didn't stop there. Uh, I had Nels Klein I reached out to. He played on two tracks. Um who else did we have? We had Scott Metzger from J-Rad. He played on the Joy Machine, the uh, album track, uh, title track. Uh, who else did we have? I really reached out to a bunch of cats, and everyone was down. <laughs> oh, Mark Rabot, Tom Waits' guitar player. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. He was on there. Uh, Walter Wolfman Washington, famous New Orleans guitarist, who passed away, sadly. So it was really good. Like Everyone was like, yeah, let me hear the track. And they're like, yeah, that sounds good. I'm down. So it was... I was fortunate I wasn't thinking about that at the time, but it turned out everyone was really down to like, you know, get some work and play on some good music. So, yeah, you know, it was, it was so interesting because there was so many people were live streaming and just doing whatever, you know, music around the world. Uh, you, you see some of those videos and stuff and, yeah. you know, just, you just, you can't stop an artist from wanting to play. That's what we want to do. You know, you want to, you want right. to perform. Yeah. Uh, and uh, like you said, it, it was a time that you were given to, curate this stuff together and i gotta yeah. i gotta say that i gotta be honest with you the fact that you're able to pull those type of people together they're not going to do it for some schlub from long island without recognizing that hey this guy's got his his, his chops together you know so kudos yeah. to you for yeah, uh you. being being able to do that you know it's right yeah kind of kind of kind of cool stuff thank you, you know? yeah and it was tricky too like yeah some had to be done remotely with but you know the zoom became really a big a thing then and was really helpful so we would zoom right into the studio i had my engineer on the doing it from his place it was pretty amazing yeah yeah it's good it's good when you have those people you know whether it's editors or stuff like that and i've learned a lot over the past couple of years uh about you know uh, i'll talk about mike nugent because he's my best friend and and mike would lay down tracks with different artists around huntington and then he says oh yeah then i pass it over to kevin kelly and i'm like well, he says Kevin's got an ear for stuff, and he he'll spot things that I didn't spot. Right. Yeah. And and every time I go over his house, whether he's working another, he's always like pulls me aside. Come here, come here, come here. Check this out. I want you to hear this. I want I want your reaction. You know, and and I give him an honest reaction. You know of what I'm yeah. hearing and and stuff like Absolutely. that. Absolutely. And it all it all falls into it all falls yeah. into the mix. You know. Yeah. So it's. I it's, shouldn't mention my engineer producer is Chris Fasula, who's really done. Most of my albums, except for the first one, uh, and even my side projects, uh, he's incredible. He's out of Oyster Bay. He's an amazing producer. Does great work. Nice, nice. Yeah, that's that's key. That's key yeah. to get that out there. And and so let me ask you this: before you uh, here, this this is like chicken or the egg question. Are you putting the music together and then throwing it on the album, or have you worked it out? in the field, so to speak, you know, like a comedian would work his thing and then um, it's, put it on a, the it's a combination. Like, so for joy machine, we, we started playing and we were playing outdoors, which is really nice. And, uh, you know, uh, we were hashing most of them out and then we recorded, you know, uh, probably like 14 songs. So we ended up, I think using 10 on that first album. So then I had, you know, four to go to the, the following one, which was nice. It made it easier. So we did an EP, with four of those and threw another two more on that followed that. So nice. Let me ask you this. Were you always the front man of circus mine? Uh, I was always the front man, but I shared the spotlight with uh, a great guitarist named Dave Berg. Who's a local guy. Mm -hmm. um, Dave uh, and I split also during the making of that album. Uh, I was kind of up and running and he kind of was uh back and chilling he's on about half the cuts um okay. i love the guy but and we 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 parted ways as friends he had been with the band uh from the beginning so he was probably in the band uh 18 years um 
and perhaps we'll work together again. But so uh, he did a lot of uh, a bunch of singing. I'd say he took about a third of the, the vocals and stuff for gigs. Not as much on the record, but. Right, right. Well, you know, what's interesting, too, is when I saw you at Great South Bay, you were squarely facing the audience. Uh, and, you know, I've seen, is that purposeful or do you, do you mix it up where you're off to the I side? I used to, to like, be yeah. more, uh, when, when Dave was on the band, we, I kind of faced him and we were all sort of facing each other. But right. uh, in this latest version, I kind of plop myself in the middle and face out. And it's different because, you know, the drummer's behind you and you got to kind of like with the back of your head. And, and But we kind of... Dan is amazing. We feel each other out and we're almost always together. I'm, I'm good with the hand signals and, the, you know, and <clears throat> well, that, that, that's, that's the key to it. And I tell you, as I watch bands and people perform, I'm really kind of cued into how they talk to each other. Um, yeah. uh, sometimes it's a wink and a nod. Sometimes it's like, take it. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I played a lot with um, a lot of musicians, a lot of new Orleans musicians, Leo Nocentelli from the meters, the guitar player, done a couple of little tours with him and i play in fish head stew which is uh i don't know if you know the radiators from new orleans but it's it's one of their side projects oh, sure and yeah both dave malone and leo you know they're, they're pretty intent like you know eyes up you know all the time you never go down you know and so uh that really you know i learned a lot from that like you always yeah you, know, you don't know when they're gonna like decide to bust a move and take a turn and so you know if you're looking down at your instrument you're not going to know you got to be paying right eyes up. And, and you know what there's there are some people that uh keep you know i know dylan was famous for this with when he's uh uh tom petty was back in dylan uh and what he was saying was like all of a sudden dylan would come out and start playing at a different tempo or a different key just to keep everybody on freaking edge you know just uh keep them on edge i guess you wow. know and yeah that's where that's where he'd like that's like to put oh my goodness I, and that's a pro too you know as, yeah. as far as yeah, how you approach this make so, it sound good so of, you mentioned the beatles and all these different influences if you had to pick three artists that you'd say you're looking back on your life you know these are the three artists whether it's a band or an artist that i really respect and have a lot of great uh have been influence on the the music that i like what who would you say it's so hard uh you know it's almost by ears you know when i was uh, a little kid getting into music you know it was it was the beatles and the beatles and the beatles right and uh and then and, and i should say beatles elton john and the beatles because elton john as a, as a keyboard player and his songwriting was one of my first big influences mm-hmm. and then um maybe like chuck lavelle and you know the almonds and little feet billy payne um that was probably you know junior high school and high school and uh you know grateful dead for sure and then i went to school at tulane in new orleans so then all of a sudden oh. i was like that's like where the funk thing came in i learned about professor long hair and, and the meters and art neville and uh that's when i got into the organ actually more in new orleans and under, you know understanding the differences between that and you know my piano and uh um, who else? And so many great New Orleans piano players. I mean, John Cleary, and uh, the list goes on and on. There's so many great players. So, and I always like, you know, Funk, Burning Morel. And, um, and uh, so it's hard to pick one guy, you know, and one songwriter, but definitely, you know, Beatles and Elton are at my earliest route. Well, the, the cool thing is that you lived in New Orleans at Tulane. To really, to really get immersed in it, where my yeah. experience, my experience in New Orleans is uh, as a vacationer, you know, but right. to, to to be in the culture uh, yeah. is is quite quite different than any, than anything else. Yeah, I, yeah, I yeah. Assume, it was, and know? and then I actually it was interesting how I started playing with those guys too, like for the Radiators, they were doing a gig and they didn't have the keyboard player and. Uh, if some girl was having a party and she was like, want to play a song or two with them? And I was like, yeah, I was a big fan. I mean, I saw them every weekend there. They were our, you know, grateful dead. And so, uh, I went, I sat in a song or two and they were like, stay there, 
Stay there. Oh, stay there. Cool. So like I passed the audition right there live in, in, in person. So that was really cool. And then um, Leo, I, I had a good experience was I wanted him to play on our first record. And so I, I flew him up to New York and this was in 2003, I think. Okay. And, uh, and we put him up nearby Long Island and said, and we had a studio right here and we did it all up here, that first that record. And, uh, we hit it off. He was a great guy. And, um, so he started calling me. He's like, Hey mom, come playing in New York. He's like, you want to, you know, want to do a gig? I was like, Oh yeah. And the best gig I ever played was with Leo. He, he called me up one time and he's like, Hey Mark, I'm in Japan. He's like, can you do a gig with us tomorrow night? And I was oh, like, well, he, it was the icons of funk. It was, it was Leo ready for this. It okay. was Stan Martin drums. It was Bill Dickens. Who's like Stevie wonders, bass player, Fred Wesley, James Brown. And, uh, and Bernie were all his keyboards, but he got sick and he's like, Bernie can't play. So I got there. I had Bernie's rig, Bernie's, keyboard tech i show up and leo was like hey mom i lost my voice you got to sing everything so oh they were God. my backup band that night I was, it was so cool highline it, ballroom one of the best nights of my life where was this now where where was this highline ballroom oh my god oh it was so amazing i so, don't have any audio i have some great photos from the night but i, I wish i had some audio from that night oh well, you still we got the memories me. and you know what yeah. you know it's you know it's amazing when you have your heroes validate you Right? Doesn't that, yeah. doesn't it like, yeah, 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 for sure. I mean, it's like, it's the best. How do you, how'd you shrink your head into the camera? <laughs> and I, I don't even look at myself as like, you know, a great player. I look at myself as a, a, a funky, confident player that could, I'm good at like making you sound great on guitar. You know, I could really do that. Great for songwriting. I'm not, I'm not burning with us. A lot of burning players around, you know, and that I feel like I'm a burning songwriter. I would say that's probably my, my best gift right right but you know what it's i think when we opened up this uh, episode when i called you the ringleader and I, I saw that they mentioned that in your bio the ringleader and i'm like that really make that really makes a difference and i saw that at great south bay i keep going back to that because the only time i saw you is when when you know the three ring circus when the ring goes to the guitarist or the ring goes to the percussionist right. And and being uh, uh, as a front person or a leader of a band, being conscious of that to say, hey, let's share, th- let's share this. It's a, it's a joyful oh, thing. Oh yeah, and you know what? It's th- like I, I like to be. I'm sorry to interrupt you. I, I like no. to be. I like to be the worst player in the band. Like I mean, like you know, when you play tennis or something, and like you play with guys who are so much better, you like it ups your game. And like I'm so lucky with Circus Mine. I'm surrounded by such great enormous players it makes me play better it makes the song it raises the level of the songs you know yep. what they're offering to do on them and it is a, a democracy they you know we get in the studio and they're like you know let's try this let's try that and, and so that's good i get the veto power which is cool but right. uh, I, I have them in the band for their input and you know and that's an important thing yeah, like Bruce Springsteen said the same thing. He's, you know, someone's going to be the final decision maker or, you know, you can have a lot of creatives that have a lot of fun together but get nothing accomplished, you know. Right. Is yeah. is is always the threat. Hey, let's mm. go to the th- let's go to the third song, Spy Boy. Tell me about that and let's let the audience have a listen. Spy Boy is off our first album and uh we have Cyril Neville of the Neville Brothers singing it and it's such an amazing performance. We went down to New Orleans to get his vocals and he put the backing vocals on there for us with his wife and daughter and niece and they were incredible and then for the horn section we brought in the rebirth brass band from new orleans so uh dave berg and i had an amazing trip down there we we got a couple of guests for the album and we spent i don't know a week down there and and it was great uh cyril said you come down here trawling through new orleans to get the get all the flavor and mixing in the the record so i think it's a great track uh check it out all right check it out everybody we'll be right back
So we just heard what I would call a song, a gumbo song, because that's such a great mixture of stuff. And Mark, I want to ask you about, and this is just a personal preference of mine. I love bands that have horn sections. Tell me about the horns in this. And, and Yeah, well, you know, New Orleans is has so much great brass, and um, it's a big part of the culture there, all the brass bands and Second Line and the funerals, right? So right. Uh, you definitely, that gets into, uh, you know, any band that has brass is great. We have it. We have Michael Amendola on sax all the time, but uh, occasionally for the big gigs, you know, we'll put a section together. We used to have a full section all the time, but uh, you can't you can't beat the brass. I mean, so we have Rebirth on that Spy Boy track, and uh, you know, I forgot to tell you also we have um, yeah. Chenna Smith uh, from Bob Marley's band is playing on that track too, which is pretty cool. Oh man, this is great. <laughs> All right, so you got some influence in the music community. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we sure do. And then that, you're right, that track is a gumbo. It's New Orleans. It's reggae. It's it's rock. It's, had, it's you know, it's got a little Jethro Tull moment in there. It's got it's got a little something for everybody. A little Frank Zappa in there too, I think. Oh yeah, he was big. Uh, when I went to college, uh, Joe's Garage was playing all the time, and I had oh, no yeah. idea who who Zappa was, and <laughs> I was like, "What the hell is this?" And it was yeah. it was. I it was great. Zappa live a bunch. I was a big fan. Oh, did you? Oh, yeah. wow. I tell you, what's what's amazing, and, and I really appreciate, one, first of you coming on, on the podcast, but I really appreciate Circus Mind because of the diversity of, of what you play, you know, uh, funk, uh, reggae, uh, you can rock it out as we well. Do. We and do. Get, get a little Caribbean style, a little island vibe sometimes. It's all, we got a lot in there for sure. Yeah. So I'm going to encourage, man, if you see Circus Mine playing somewhere, you got to go out and see them. You definitely got to visit gigdestiny.com. That's the website. And we're going to post uh, anytime Mark and his band is playing out there. And Mark, I just really got to thank you. I really, you know what? When somebody lets me into their living room uh, in an interview like that, I, it's something special. And uh, Right on. Well, you know, let's uh, do it again in the future. Uh, it's great chatting with you. It's very cool. Oh, man, you and, know, uh, I'm going to make you an offer right now. You can uh, ask anybody who wants to be a guest on my podcast with your connections. They can be here. I'd love to have absolutely. them and, and yeah, just yeah, expand I'll, things I'll, out. I can think of a few people that would be great on here. So Wonderful. Thanks so much for your time. March. What date is that in March, that big party? Uh, March 9th, Saturday. March, March 9th. 9th. I'm going to bring yeah, a plus Fat one. Friday. Yep. Oh, it's a Friday. Oh, good. No, it's called <laughs> Fat Friday is the party, which is a New Orleans And it's thing, on a Saturday. It's a Saturday night. Saturday that's night. right. So I, so I can recover on Sunday. That's, that's exactly. <laughs> perfect. That's a good plan. Hey, brother, be well. I'll talk to you soon. All right. All right. Right on. Thank you for joining us today. I appreciate the time you spent with us. Please subscribe and comment and visit us at gigdestiny.com. Till next time, be generous with your joy, keep your spirits high, and let the music take you on a journey. Be well. Peace. Peace.